Hey, this episode of Bass Freaks is brought to you by MXR Bass Innovations. MXR has been a leader in guitar effects for over 45 years. MXR Bass Innovations creates bass effects pedals from the ground up, each one specifically designed for bass players by bass players. Not repurposed guitar pedals, but their overdrive, fuzz, EQ, preamp DI, octave, distortion, compressor, or chorus, these tried and true stomp boxes are designed by Dunlop's award-winning team of bassists and engineers. Go to jimdunlop.com and check out MXR Bass Innovations for your bass effects. Hello, my friends. Welcome to Dunlop Presents Bass Freaks. This is a place for all of us freaks to uh, chat it up and gain a little insight and inspiration and have some fun with some great bass players. I'm your host, Josh Paul, and today we welcome bassist and co-founder of the band Rise Against, Mr. Joe Principe. Yeah. Dude. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for being here, man. How you doing? I'm fucking, I'm doing great. <laughs> awesome. You're, you're uh, calling from Chicago. Yeah, yeah, definitely at, at my house in Chicago. Um, we're just getting ready to start rehearsing for our, our tour that we have in August, which is amazing that we could all finally tour, right? <laughs> Hell yes, it's back, it's coming back. Yeah, it was crazy. Like, obviously, when when the pandemic's kind of, we like, we had just gotten done recording our record, No Regeneration, and then the pandemic and the lockdown kind of set in like two weeks after that. And it was like, Oh, this is going to suck. It's going to, it's going to be around for like a month or two. And then, I'll, then it just slowly, like it started sinking in like, Oh, this is like messed up. Like this is going to be a, like a, a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had a, a year long tour scheduled and then it was maybe, maybe, maybe no. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Oh man. How did you, how did you cope or how are you coping? I um, there, I remember the first like two months, everyone was trying to do like some bass playthroughs on their Instagram and, you know, like yeah. do that. Yeah. And I, I, I did some of those. And, um, at one, at some point I just was like, shit, like this is the first time I'm off the road and, and I don't like, there's no end in sight. At least at that time, I didn't know when, the vaccine would, would be available. So it could have been five years from that point, you know, like, um, and I remember thinking like, what the fuck do I do? Like, do, <laughs> do I like, do I just start focusing on like a different career? Like, or what, what, like it was, it was scary, you know? Dude, I'm so with you. And I was in the same boat. I was seriously like getting my hamburger chops ready to go. <laughs> to flip, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you guys have been doing this. Well, you've been doing this for a while now, forever. I mean, yeah. um, how long have you guys been a band? And I think so, you, what do you have like 10 records out? So we, ha this is our ninth record, um, uh, ninth record, but, uh, Cause we have one record that's a B side record. So I don't, I don't include that. Um, but yeah, so 10 records total, but nine studio albums. Um, and we started like December of 99, uh, January, 2000, like around there. Um, and, uh, I remember the first year we started, it was cause originally this is born from the ashes of my old punk band, 88 fingers, Louie, like from Chicago. Okay. And, um, um, so we had this demo of like seven songs when, when Rise Against, you know, was when we were trying to find a singer and then we had this revolving door of drummers 
It, it sucked because Chicago, there's a severe lack of punk drummers, drummers that can play fast and not speed up or slow down, you know, um, <laughs> like, like, and I wanted somebody to have like a, like a good, like their foot had to be like decent. I didn't want like it, like people cheating their way through like a punk beat, you know, like I, right. I, I was like, cause I grew up listening to like, well, suicidal and Amory Smith on that first record is fucking insane. Oh yeah. And, and then, but even like bands like, um, no effects. Eric, the drummer, no effects has an insane kick drum foot, you know? And I just was raised to that, like that, or Lemmy from, or not Lemmy, but like Motorhead, right? Like, yeah. like, like uh, Mikey D, like his, he had that gallop feel, you know, like uh, to his drum beats. Um, so when we were, we were looking for a drummer and I ended up finding Brandon, um, our drummer now, uh, through mutual friends and he was out in Denver. So he flew out and he ended up moving out to Chicago for the band. Right um, on. Yeah. So like he definitely took a leap of faith and was like, all right, this band's just starting, but I'm, I'm going to try it out, you know? Um, and then, yeah, like, so, and then uh, in the meantime, we had recorded this demo with our friend, Tony, who he was our drummer, but he was kind of like, not sure if he wanted to be in a series band at the time. Um, we recorded our first demo on a Roland electronic drum kit. So our first demo sounds like ministry. Like it sounds like, <laughs> like it sounds really funny. It's all like electronic drums. <laughs> like um, I got, I got to, I actually want to hear that dude. <laughs> yeah. You know what? Like, like I'm wondering if I got to see if there's any of the songs out like on YouTube. I don't know if we ever ended up like releasing any of those like into the wild or not. It'd <laughs> <laughs> be awesome to hear. Yeah. I mean, first of all, congrats on the longevity um, thank that's, you. That's not very common really these days for bands. You know what I mean? To, yeah. to stick around that long. And, uh, I applaud you on that. Uh, any, any secrets on that for, for maybe, uh, people out there who are starting a band or in bands and just trying to keep doing their thing. Yeah. I think you have to be happy with what you're doing first and foremost. If you when, once, once you're unhappy, that's everything starts to suffer. You know, like it, it's you're you're kind of devoting minimal effort to touring if you're unhappy, or minimal effort to songwriting. Um, so luckily, after 20 years, we still absolutely love being Rise Against. We love writing how we write. We love uh, waving like our our punk rock flag, you know, in the world we're kind of in. Um, yeah. It's um, a, it's a badass world, by the way. Oh yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, um, I dig it, man. It, it, you know, it's, I think when, when we started achieving mainstream success, you know, like it, people, fans, longtime fans assumed like, Oh, you're going to start writing for a radio crowd. And it's like, well, no, whatever you're hearing it doesn't matter if we're on Geffen records or epitaph records or, you know, some independent label, that's what you're, that's what we're writing. We never, we've never demoed for a, a record label, like ever really we've demoed for ourselves, but not for a label. Okay. Um, I don't know how Geffen let us get away with that for so long. Um, but they just let us do our own thing. Um, so, um, and I think that's, the the core sound of the band always remained intact like we tried not not to let too many outside distractions influence what we were writing um and i think we appeal to the mainstream because we are influenced by like not only punk rock and thrash metal and metal but also like 
like I'm a fan, especially early period Goo Goo Dolls. I love the Goo Goo Dolls. Fuck Johnny Resnick, like such a good songwriter. I love Elvis Costello. I love the police, you know, like, so there's always these, these, all these, I draw from all these influences and so does our singer, Tim, you know, same thing. Very, very cool. I was going to ask you about that. So let's go back. Let's go back like diapers. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, how did you get started in this? kind of crazy world of the music it it like fell into my lap i had no plans on playing an instrument ever um i grew up skateboarding and and going to punk shows and thrash metal shows so what that allowed me to do is just meet people from all walks of life and i was skateboarding my friend's half pipe in his backyard and this kid he was um our mutual friend's younger brother, he just showed up and he goes, oh, my brother told me to, to that like we should meet because we like the same kind of music. And then like a week went by and this kid kept coming by and watching me skateboard and hanging out. And he goes, um, I'm starting a band. I play drums. Would you want to play bass in this band? And I was like. And you didn't play bass at the time? I didn't play bass. I had never picked up a bass, but oh, wow. I I did mess around with an, this acoustic guitar that was at my mom's house. Um, my sister tried to take guitar lessons, and of course, she took one lesson and was like, "Forget it." That's because your fingers hurt, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what she said. She's like, "I, I did, it hurt my fingers. I couldn't just make chords, you know, happen." And I remember, like, it was there was two bands that made me want to pick up this acoustic guitar. It was DRI. And the Ramones. I wanted to learn power chords and I wanted to learn palm muting because DRI did a bunch of palm muting. And I wanted to learn just power chords because the Ramones, I thought it sounded cool. So I learned power chords. And then a year later, my friend asked me to play bass in his band. And, and uh, I just, after that, I just, he loaned me his bass that he had at his house. And I took to it like pretty quickly um, the first year, of course, I didn't know how to switch strings. So I was just sliding up and down the neck, you know, like, like, you know, be- there's something to say about that though. They, you can get some cool voicings by doing that. A hundred percent. And it forces you to be creative actually. Yeah. It's funny you say that because if we're, there's rise against songs where I intentionally will play on the E string to get like certain slides down or like, yeah, they're like, you could hear all that or sliding up to like, you know, skipping, you know, eight, eight frets, you know, like sliding up to it. Like there's definitely a feel behind it. Yeah, um, I was going to say, um, I noticed that in, in your playing, you're bringing some melody in there that you, I hear the slides in there as well. So it's very cool. Oh, cool. Yeah. Thanks. Like, um, and that's just a, a me growing up, you know, being influenced by, I mean, Frank Bello from Anthrax is by far, uh, he was, Anthrax was the first band where when I was a kid, I bought Among the Living and it was the first band um, where I started really hearing the bass separate from the guitar. His, His bass, I don't know, it was like the time and place. I was listening to it like on my little like boom box or whatever that I had. And I remember thinking like, oh wait, that's not a guitar. That's the bass player. That's the melody I'm hearing is like what Frank's doing on his bass. Um, so I started picking up on these little nuances on, on how the bass and, and the guitar complement each other and they complement the vocals, you know, at, at like a young age. But then I started getting into bands like Dead Kennedys and Suicidal, of course, and uh, The Descendants. 
which all those bands had amazing bass players, you know, yeah. like, I mean, um, Dead Kennedys, especially growing up, like the bass and because the, the guitar was kind of a clean tone, you know, like it really made the bass pop. And it, so like there were so many cool bass runs that they were doing. Um, it just stood out to me. And I realized like the, this song wouldn't sound the way, you know, it does without the bass do, being busy here or be, you know, or picking a certain way, aggressive picking, like a cool rhythm. Like I really picked up on that early on and it influenced the way I learned how to play bass. Like, like I love when a bass intros a song and the picking pattern is just like, like really prominent, you know? Yeah, definitely. I hear you on that. Were you, did you take any lessons? Never. Never. Okay. <laughs> I, uh, I, okay. I was self-taught. Um, and it's one of those things I would like listen to like a cassette or a record and just listen to a, a song over and over and try to f hear what they're doing, go back to the beginning, you know, and I would do that yeah. for hours every day, you know? Oh, dude, me too. And I was fortunate where, um, uh, my mom kind of moved around a lot. So she had, I have a twin sister, her and I, uh, doing home studies. So all I had to do really was kind of play. And, uh, we had a karaoke machine because my sister's a singer. And I would plug into that with my bass and just same thing that you did play to these tapes and just rewind it and try to figure it out. So, yeah. And, and what, what that allows, I feel like, I, I mean, lessons are definitely beneficial, obviously, but it allows you to figure out your own style and it allows you to do things unconventional that add to your, your style, you know, like where I know, my friend Matt, who plays in Rancid, like he uses his thumb a lot to hit the E string while he's playing the G, the G and the D. Ah, that's cool. I was, I was like, that is awesome. Like, you know, like, cause I, I would always ask him like, how do you, how do you play this in, in whatever Rancid song? And he's like, oh, cause I'm using my thumb. So it allows me to hit like certain things with my pinky. And I was like, oh shit. Um, Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's, it's genius. It's a genius approach, but like, I, I learned like how to do like, or I, I started writing with a lot of bass chords because I wanted to be not only the bass player, but I also wanted to be like the secret guitar player, you know? So I would, I would <laughs> just in that way, like I would play a lot of bass chords and things like that. And I would always hear the counter melodies a bass was doing with a guitar, even at a young age. So whenever I would write, um, I would always play a lot of chords on the bass and hear the counter melodies the two strings were doing and how they complements the vocal. Uh, I was always like in tune to that, um, you know, and then, and then I carried over into when I pick, I pick up first and then down and it allows me to play triplets easier because I'm picking up, you know, like first it just, it, it makes triplets well, a lot easier for me. I'm going to have to try that out. I have never tried that. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. I always start up first. <laughs> I am learning something new every single day, man. Thank you for that. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so what's your approach to writing then and uh, recording? Um, my approach is, um, it depends. If I start, if, I, if, if I'm sitting here, you know, I have my bass here or whatever, or I have, have a, guitar, a guitar right next to it. If I pick up the bass first, that'll dictate what song like the direction of the song if or whether i'm holding the bass first or my guitar um because i'll just lay down like a like a 
a groove or some, yeah, just some type of rhythm on the bass first or just some pattern. And then I'll think of like, I kind of play the guitar in my head as I'm writing the bass, right? Um, and then and then I'll I'll record the bass line and then overdub a guitar to see if it, it'll work. Um, but again, I'll pick up the guitar first and that'll influence what I'm doing on the bass. So it's just two different approaches. Like it's almost like two different sides of my brain, you know, like, like I know songs, I could tell songs that we have written in the past where I picked up the bass first or the guitar. I could just tell, you know? So, so can you elaborate a little bit on that? So say right now you're, uh, or, or maybe describe one of the particular songs to, so people can hear maybe what you're talking about a little bit more. Yeah. For instance, I, the, I picked up the bass first. There's a song on our, our new record, Nowhere Generation, called Broken Dreams Incorporated. For sure, I picked up the bass first on that song. It's it's the bass, the intro is very bass heavy. It's very bass oriented. The verse has bass chords in it. You know, um, again, the, it's really fast picking. It's something that, that um, it was it was like the bass is the lead instrument on it. Got so it. I could I could tell in that in that sense. Um and then the guitar complements the bass, you know, it's kind of like that and that's what it boils down to is like, what do I want to be the lead instrument? Do I want the bass or the guitar first? Um so um yeah, in that particular song it's it's the bass and it's super it's super obvious. If you go back and listen to it, you can kind of pick up on it. That's awesome. Um how about uh like gear? What, uh, what are you rocking? Man, I keep it simple. Like I, I keep it, um, live, um, for years and years, the gold standard, it was at my Ampeg SVT classic eight by 10 cabinet with a sans amp distortion pedal. Um, and, uh, that's about it. And I started playing a Fender jazz bass. That was the first bass. When I started playing bass, I had a Fender jazz bass. And I used that for years and years. And then on our, I want to say it was our second major label, second record that we did for uh, a major label. So it was Suffering the Witness. I thought like, oh, you know, we're on the radio more. So maybe I'll, I'll hold it down a little bit more with a warmer sound. So I switched to a P bass. Okay. Um, so then for years I played P bass, Sans Amp, Ampeg. Um, and then, you know, like at some point I, um, I switched from Ampeg to Orange because the, uh, I mean, really it boiled down to the, the reliability at this particular era. Um, you know, I felt like Ampeg went through a weird time where the reliability wasn't there with their, their heads, you know, like there was a lot of like, like overheating issues. Like, I, you know, you, you, you play and the bass would shut off and I look back and I, you get like that red and green switching oh, yeah. back and forth when it's overheating. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and I've experienced and like, that actually. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly. So I switched to orange, you know, um, and or orange was great in their own right. Um, and then at some point I discovered dark glass pedals and the dark glass 900 bass head. And, okay. um, I really fell in love with it because the distortion just out of the gate, it's just ripping distortion, but you could set it, you know, to however aggressive you want uh -huh. and it's a well-rounded sound and it, they were just super reliable. I toured with that dark glass head probably for four years straight, not one issue, like, like whether we're playing outdoor festivals in like August or like, 
you know, or those heads riding in like our, our truck, you know, like going from show to show, like yeah. just indestructible. Um, but then every now and again, like I kind of miss that, that, that too, that warmth that the Ampeg head has. And I go back to playing that. So right <laughs> now, since during COVID, I'm playing an SVT head with a way huge pork and pickle pedal. I oh love yeah. That. I love that pedal. Ooh, it's so good. Yeah. Um, Cause I started running into issues with my Sans amp, you know, failing and like, just not, I don't know. Like I felt the pork and pickle was a little bit more solid. Um, even coming from like the dark glass, I, I dabbled with like the dark glass alpha omega distortion pedal uh-huh. and it sounded a little bit too, um, a little bit too like on the metal side for what we were doing. Gotcha. Um, and then, so the pork, the pork and pickle was fucking great, you know? So I, I kind of been running that. I love that you don't lose the bottom with that. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, a MXR sub octave um, fuzz. Yep. Pedal. Have you used that before? You know, I haven't. I haven't. The, the fuzz and the overdrive in it is brilliant. I love it. But then you incorporate the octave in there and it's just, you're rumbling stages. So oh, check I need that to check one it out. out. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, what about strings? And I know you're a pick player predominantly, correct? Yes. it's. I've been using Dunlop Nylon 0.88s for, oh. I've been lit- literally using those since I was like 16. So 30 oh. years. Yeah. O- OG. OG. Yeah. Like I, uh, there's something about, I, like, I feel like I haven't heard many people talk about materials and picks right there's a certain bend you get with nylon that i'm just accustomed to if i go to like a tortex pick i can't play them like my Mm -hmm. hand starts cramping the tone sounds different to me um because the the attack on the strings is different um so i've been using the nylon picks forever because i feel like the the bend in those picks it's predictable so when i'm doing triplets or something really fast yeah. I know how the pick is going to react, you know? Huh? Um, I also just got into these Herco's, these Herco 73s. <laughs> what is like, that? Like, uh, like, like Dunlop sent me some of these guys and it feels similar to a 0.88 uh, pick, but you know, her, yeah, Herco's under that, the Dunlop uh, umbrella there. Right. Um, I, I kind of dig these. They, they're shaped a little different, but uh, it, they're kind of cool too, you know? Um, yeah. very similar to the point 88s. Awesome. Strings. So I've been, I've been using, um, one Oh five to 50 gauge. Um, I, I love stainless steel over nickel and I've been playing, um, I was an Ernie ball guy for, for a long time. And uh-huh. with this last record, I had, um, our buddy Ken from Dunlop sent me, um, a bunch of Dunlop strings and, I was uh, not not bashing Ernie Ball because I, I owe a lot to Ernie Ball for taking care of me for so long. But there was something about the stainless steel Dunlops that they were just, I mean, my bass really sings on this new record. You mm. could hear it, you know, it, it just pops. There was just something about it. So I switched to playing um, the Dunlop strings and uh, I know like Daryl from Dunlop hooked me up with the, the Lemmy strings because... It's my gauge and they're they're stainless steel and they're you know they're fucking great. Yeah. That's know? sick, man. I love yeah. that. You know, so I love punk rock. I know you love 
punk rock and grew up listening to it. Um, there's this sort of reckless abandon that I just, it's a beautiful thing. I really adore it. And um, as aggressive as the music is, I as I mentioned before, I can hear your melodic lines in there, which I really appreciate. And I was wondering maybe um, what other musical influences aside from the punk rock stuff? Because I can hear that you're in there. You're singing. Do you sing at all? I, uh, it's funny. I do all like the woe kind of harmonies. Yeah. Like those three, like those three part harmonies. I I can do those really well because I grew up with bands like Bad Religion who are doing three part harmonies. Yeah. And obviously taking, taking it way back to like the Beatles doing their harmonies, um, you know, and Motown singers. And I, I always loved oldies, you know, and I always, it's funny growing up, I always heard what the backing vocalists were doing almost, almost more so than the lead vocalist. I don't know why my brain works that way, but I'll, I'll hear melodies that the backing vocals are doing um, as prominent melodies. And I think it just because I come from, it goes for, for like the same reason why I like to do bass chords. It's so that two strings, complimenting each other, you know, with, with like these melodies and I, same with the backing vocals. So I, uh, I do the woes, but I, for some reason I have a hard time singing words, oh. in, which is ridiculous. <laughs> like my brain only works one way with backing vocals. It's ridiculous. So like, oh it, man, I hear you. <laughs> so I, I do, I do sing. <laughs> right on, man. I, I appreciate that. And, uh, I can never remember lyrics myself. So I, <laughs> oh, I think that's my uh, issue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, let's talk, uh, let's talk about tour life. Um, do you have any special requests that keep you going out there? Keep you healthy? What's you have any crazy writer requests? No, like I'm like, uh, I have to have, I keep it simple. Like I'm like a coffee dork. So what, Me too. there you go. Like, that's what I have right here is my, I have like a home, my little home barista station in my house. Um, I make lots, I do ice, iced oat milk lattes every day. Okay, dude, um, if the band doesn't work out, we can start like a barista company or something. We'll, you know, I, we'll wear our aprons and everything. I'm fully <laughs> down. You know, it's funny because Char- Charlie from Anthrax lives in Chicago and he, is also a coffee dork. And we always, if we always, if we run into each other, we're always talking about like, we should start a, a, a coffee shop, <laughs> <Right on. laughs> but it never, it never gets past like those like little like talks here and there. There's still um, time. There's still time. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, I, when I'm on tour, I bike a lot. I'll get on my bike. I go find a cool coffee shop and hang out and read a book or, or whatever, just to get out of the venue. Yeah. Um, but as far as writers, I'm vegan, so okay. I have like, I I need to have like veggies backstage, so I'm not like snacking on junk food all day. Yeah. Um, but at, at, after every show, I have a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Dude, <laughs> me too. And I thought I was just a fat kid. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's comforting, right? And it's yes. like, it's not like like because we did the pizza thing for years and years, but I'm like, I can't fucking eat pizza after at midnight anymore like yeah. i can't because i'm eating three pieces of pizza then going to bed and it, right it's like, <laughs> so at least the peanut butter and jelly is a little bit you know smaller and it's not so uh i don't know i don't think it's as heavy because because it, it's like one sandwich and then you're done <laughs> right right uh you said you go out for bike rides and and 
is that how you kind of keep your sanity? I know because in touring, we're we're in a different spot every single day, and and even though it's different, it's still the same. If that makes sense. Yeah, a hundred percent. That is for sure. Like how I keep my sanity. Like I love to get out and see the city I'm in. I love like I'll like I'll use like. My, I have like a few apps on my phone, like all trails, like to find different trails that are nearby, like me, like bike trails. Um, so I just explore trails in the city that I'm in. Um, and I'll, I'll leave the venue for like three hours and go down like and bike for like 20 miles or whatever. Um, and then after every bike ride, I find my coffee shop. Wait, and wait a second. Wait a second. Did you say 20 miles? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. yeah, if you're walking or biking, it allows you to notice things you wouldn't have noticed otherwise. I mean, you're in a car, you're driving by and you're missing everything, but it definitely allows you to to like really experience what the city has to offer in na- different neighborhoods and things like that. Like, so yeah, like I feel like after, I mean, we both have been touring for so long, like we owe it to ourselves to really check out the cities we're in, you know, like, I've, I mean, we've seen a million backstages. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I don't want to see that. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, man. And, it, and I always um, recommend that people, if they can, travel, even if it's to the next city over or even to the next block over and just see what the rest of the world is about because it's really helped me as a human being uh, and and with compassion and empathy yeah. and inspiration. It, it's... um. Uh, it's super, it's super important to experience, you know, even different cultures, even going to different countries. Um, you know, I, re- I remember like the first time, like I went to, first time I went to Europe with my old punk band and we were playing like squats and stuff like, you know, just, just, and I remember like at first being nervous. Cause I was, I was like the suburban kid from Chicago and I didn't really, I haven't really experienced that up until this point we're talking like 1994, 95. Okay. And um, I remember just talking to people at, at these squats in Germany and Italy and thinking like, they're so much more well-rounded, like as far as like global views than we were as Americans. They're just, were so much more in tune to history and arts culture. And I was like, man, like, like I want to experience as much as I can. So like, I remember thinking like, from this point on, I need to like get to know whatever countries or cities, you know, we were in, like, I, I want to get out there and, and, and just, just not be such like, um, just lazy and, and, you know, like I just willing to, I just wanted to learn as much as I could about wherever I was, you know? That's great, man. It's so important. And I, I'm sure it helped with, um, writing and the work that you do and, and being able to cope with being away from family. You have family, right? Yeah. Yeah. Three, three kids. Um, it does like, um, it, it allows, it makes touring. So, I mean, other than playing for our fans, it makes touring and being gone so much more worthwhile because I can bring that home to my children. I could talk about whatever art museums I visited or, or, um, I mean, I'm vegan and that's, that's why I ended up here was because traveling for, I don't know, 25, 30 years, you know, um, learning why people were becoming vegetarian or vegan, just learning about things I didn't agree with, with factory farming or learning about why it's important to, 
to, you know, eat local produce, things like that. Like why, why spraying uh, pesticides on, on veggies was bad. I, I, I was so ignorant to all that, you know, growing up. Um, so it really kind of opened my mind and I was, we allowed my wife and I, it allowed my wife and I to raise my children the way we do, you know, we don't tell them like you have to be vegetarian or vegan. They choose to be that. Um, but they're so much more in tune with a healthy eating, especially they're, I mean, they're eight years old, 10 years old and 12 years old. They're so much more in tune with it than the rest of their friends and their friends kind of poke fun at them sometimes, but in the long run, they're going to be way better off. I think. <laughs> Cheers to that. <laughs> um, so do you have a favorite gig or maybe a, the worst gig you've ever done? You don't have to name any names or anything like that, but. I have, I can, I'll name both. So <laughs> the, the worst gig we ever have played was, it was like the first year we were a band and we played the House of Blues in Chicago, opening up for the Circle Jerks. Ooh. And Circle Jerks are one of my favorite bands. I grew up worshiping that band and all all those guys in that band were so, they're so talented. Like Xander Schloss, the bass player of the Circle Jerks, he is so talented. I mean, he played with in Joe Strummer's band, you know, he's a, oh, awesome. a multi-instrument, multi-instrument, uh, oh my God, I'm totally drawing a blank. He can play multiple instruments. <laughs> That's <laughs> what I'm trying to, to say. you like me, man. You're starting to sound like me. <laughs> my brain's not working today. Um, but we played and people in Chicago, like the old, the old punks, they didn't want anything to do with us. And they were, we got heckled the whole show. People were throwing beer at us. Like oh, no, that's and I, I've been doing, having that experience in our hometown was like, like it crushed me, especially opening up for one of my favorite bands. So that was, that goes down into like being like our worst gig, I think ever. But you uh, pushed through on that one. Push through. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, I remember some guy kept yelling, play real Chicago hardcore. And I was, I remember thinking like, 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 how, like, do I say something to com combat that? Cause like, what, what is he talking about? Cause I like this band is influenced by like all these old Chicago bands. I just kind of let it go, but uh, whatever. Best but then do. our fate, my favorite gig was probably, I would say it's funny. There's, there's two different scenarios selling out the Troubadour for a week straight. We did a residency at the Troubadour in LA, uh, to, in LA. Yeah. Awesome. To, to, to kick off like one of the release of one of our records. I think it was, um, suffer in the witness, our record suffer in the witness. So it was our second major label record. Um, so we did a residency there. Every show sold out. It was like insane kids stage diving and going nuts. Um, and that was incredible. Like, I, I mean, it was definitely like, like I feed off that energy. I feed off the kids going nuts. And then also playing Wrigley Field in Chicago with uh, Fall Out Boy. We, we played, that was 2018. Amazing. Uh, that was insane. Like the fact that to grow up in Chicago, I mean, Wrigley Field, they didn't have shows when I was a kid, but the fact that I was standing on stage in Wrigley was like, just blew my mind. You know, uh, the, like I felt like I had no place being there. <laughs> it's, it's, that's what it's all. I mean, 
dreams, man. Just yep. dreams have come true in, in your hometown. That's so awesome. Uh, is there any advice that you'd like to give, you know, young musicians? Just f- follow your heart. Um, if you're unhappy doing something, don't do it. Find what is making you, find what makes you happy and practice your ass off. Yes, sir. I agree with that. Uh, where should people check you out and the band? Um, riseagainst.com, uh, or you can search Instagram. All of our socials are just rise against. Um, um, we're on tour in August through all through the United States. Um, we're not going to be able to hit every, every, uh, state because of, you know, just availabilities of venues and things like that. But we're hitting, we're playing like 25 shows across the United States. So, um, definitely look out for that. Hell yes, man. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate you and I hope to uh, hang sometime. Right on. Thanks, Josh. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Stay healthy and kind. Spread love, good vibes, and inspiration. And remember, you got this. Follow your path and just play. I'm Josh Paul. I hope to see you out there sometime soon. And thank you so much to Dunlop for making this show possible. Be sure to go check out Bass Freaks wherever you get your podcasts.